Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Ryan, and joining me this week is my guest co-host, Bo. How's it going, Bo? Hi, Ryan. How's it going? I'm good. Good, good. Uh, it's it's great to have you here. I know we had to reschedule because you were feeling sick, and, and then Crofton took your spot, which was really weird. It's awkward for everyone. I promised I wouldn't bring him up. I don't think I made that promise. No, to you me, can but... bring him up. He bragged about it, and I was like, dude, I have <laughs> Did COVID. He? Yeah, and I'm like... Oh. You should. You should just. <laughs> I was just. I was, he's like, I took your spot, and I'm like, thanks, thank yeah. you. But he was trying to rub it in my face, and I was like, well, no, you did a good thing. Thank you. I'll be yeah. on. I'll be on another day. Exactly. <laughs> like, Why are you doing that? <laughs> that's a. That's totally a. That's a him thing for sure. And I did say, like, he did. He did. I did say to him, like, look, like, he's sick. You'll be. You'll be doing me a favor. Him a favor. You were upset that I bumped him because I was sick. Like I bumped Crofton because I was sick, and Crofton was giving me a hard time for being sick. And I'm like, what? "Man, we could just reschedule you to 2026 if you want." That, that's Do I need to fun. talk to Crofton? Tell him to behave. No, I think you know. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, honestly, like he's been recording things and sending them to other podcasts. It's been a real thing, you know. So um, we might have to have an intervention in the gamers in Discord with him. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, yeah, content for core if he wants to write in, although, you know, <laughs> I got to say, I felt a little bad because when he played, when Scott played that clip, I felt like and I know it was all in good fun. You guys were having a good time. But I was like, man, like Crofton record that and then like everyone kind of pile on them, which is exactly what you knew was going to happen when you record something like that for <laughs> a show with good friends. Oh, I mean, if it was a stranger, we might take a goofier approach, but, you know, everyone Scott's played games with Croft and Scott even knows what's up. So yeah, you know, yeah. it was all in good fun, but it was, it was, it good. was, yeah. The bit was that we were speaking about him despairingly so that he would pursue, I guess, defamation or something like that. And it's like, okay, yeah. you want us not to talk about you? <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe give us a reason to continue talking about, about you, like saying some funny jokes. Crofton's a comedian. It's true. He, he Yeah. He does. We know he, he does stand up. He should have done some of his bit. If you're listening, Crofton, because we're talking about you, so there's a chance you're listening to this. It's true. Then it's true. You, next, you you should write in again, but this time with an apology and be like, "Yo, I'm just." It's just an honor to like be a part of the core community and the Frog Pants community. So I'm going to celebrate that by telling you a funny joke and then tell your funny joke. Yeah. I I he, I mean he's got a and then people you know, what, be like damn Zach Crofton's funny I want to hear another one of his jokes <laughs> you know <laughs> instead of whatever the hell that was I'm gonna sue you guys come on Matt Crofton you can do better than that he really wants to be on the frog wrestling show or uh, stream you know so he's a, he's a big fan uh mm. yeah so we'll see how that well, goes I I, sue, I think the best way to get on anyone's show or participate is to threaten to sue them and be full of sour grapes i think that works every time <laughs> it's ha- ever happened i think there are a whole television shows you know that work based on that premise so you know you might be on to something we'll see i was being sarcastic i was being sarcastic no yeah so was i it's all good I, I think it's uh I I think it's one of those things where you know he will never learn he will send in many more recordings and and uh, Scott will probably stop playing them and say say he did you know it's like oh I played it no I got it all the listeners loved it Crofton it's all good if you want some to keep being played then you should follow my advice I know well has, wait you know him longer than I have has he ever followed your advice well yes um, oh. 
We actually have a real friendship uh, apart from ribbing each other online constantly. And I'm sure we've had nice things, helpful things to say to each other, but just not really in the online, not, not when we're like on shows and stuff for some reason. Yeah. So he's I a good, it. he's a good egg, but uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, when there's an audience to play to, it's like, you know, hard to resist being goofy. It's true. And unlike on core, which is the show you're on, we don't wait until the six hours. So to to play Crofton's or even talk about Crofton. Really? We do it in the first five minutes just to kind of get it out of the way, warm up a little bit put Crofted aside, and then we get to talk about some video games that we're playing. And Bo, I know you've been jumping into the Blizzard realm uh, and playing StarCraft II. How are your adventures in StarCraft II? Replaying, I'm assuming. You've played it before, correct? Uh, yes, I've played it a ton. Uh, the game came out in 2010. Yeah. It's been 13 years. Like I've played that game on and off over the years. It's great. And it's a really good... It's. There's three games in StarCraft II realm, but what really got me there was I'm trying to clean up my YouTube algo because it's, you know, YouTuber drama, Gaza, Palestine, Israel stuff. You know, it's just like it's all kinds of stuff, and I'm like, I, I need a cleanse. So I started watching StarCraft eSports, like, second screen pretty heavily, and it's been working. I get more TikTok or more shorts and more more content that is Diablo or StarCraft related, not bullshit related. And um and it got me just, oh, you know, I should play StarCraft. Like, yeah, it's like the one of the best years ever for games, but StarCraft two is kind of the one of the best releases in the past twenty years. Like in terms of how good of a game it is, holds up really well. If you've never played it. You have three campaigns, four actually, if you get the Nova mission pack. You got like a bajillion hours of RTS goodness. And I think, um, you know, I like esports, obviously. And I think um, uh, there's just a lot there. And I think, oh, the current discourse is that nobody wants to make RTS, even, even Blizzard. You know, Mike Yabara, which I complained about on last week's episode of Core was saying he needed to hear a good pitch for StarCraft 3. And that made me incredulous. Like, I was like, what? Yes, you were, you were <laughs> upset. Like, it's, a whole, it's a whole country's eSport. Like, that's like, we should make another one. I think there's money people would spend on this game, on another one. I think there would be interest. I think we could do this. Uh, what's the pitch? I don't know. Three factions. Some get some writers to write a story that takes place in space. Like it, I don't just make a better version of two. Like the blueprints are already kind of there. That's my answer. But anyways, what do I know? Oh, well, I, I think that uh, when you look at the evolution from Starcraft to Starcraft two, there was definitely like a leap of technology that they needed to catch up on. Um, and the fact that you're playing, you know, a 13 year old game and the, and it still holds up, like I, I remember, and I played StarCraft II not too long ago as well, and I feel like we're not... I, look, I'm not defending Mikey Barra's comments because I agree with you, StarCraft Three would be awesome. But if they're if the pitch is like, maybe they're waiting for the pitches, like they're waiting for uh, like a necessary leap of technology to kind of catch up and make the game on what would be current hardware. Like I think we're still kind of at that stage where, look, you could make a nicer looking StarCraft II in starcraft 3 and i would be totally down for that but i'm wondering like if they're 
their excuse is like, well, we just we we haven't hit that need yet. We we want to make StarCraft three, but we haven't hit that need yet. I mean, it's been thirteen years. We definitely yeah. have a new gen, new plateau. Um, True. And uh, I don't know that maybe K's got other games like Call of Duty where they don't ask those kinds of questions and just release a new one every year. You know, Magic uh, Wizards of the Coast isn't like, hmm, should we take a year off making sets of Magic? You gotta remember it's an esport, right? Like, sure. I know Blizzard's backing out of esports like crazy, but I don't know. It's <laughs> I don't know what to tell them. I'm like, it's one of your main friends. It's like McDonald's is known for like a Big Mac and a quarter pounder. And it's like them being like, I don't know if we need a quarter pounder. Like, just release the game. Like, you, StarCraft is one of your big IPs. People like it. And if you're a business and you like doing things that earn you revenue, do StarCraft. I think people are just kind of like have this very basic analysis of things, including people who work for these AAA companies, where if it's not making uh, God-tier money, it's not worth it's not worth it. And if the, the effort isn't to make God tier money, it's not worth it. And I think there's a lot of people with a lot of uh, lack of vision and, and lack of correct priorities. Cause I don't care. And any trailblazer is not going to care about the yield that you're going to care about, um, enriching gaming in whatever way that you're approaching it. And Starcraft has a strong case it's like the esport <laughs> Jesus or you know the progenitor like out of that all of the esports kind of climbed out of Starcraft 1 you know like i just it just seems crazy to me but hey it's mm-hmm. up to them not me so that's that's where i'm at yeah like you mentioned diablo and that like Dia- the jump from diablo 3 to diablo 4 and there's a whole story as to you know what happened there and it's not a fun one but when you look at the leap from Diablo three to Diablo four, I think I think that would be similar to look at like having a StarCraft three launch in a couple of years of J- Jason yeah. Schreer, and th- this gives I think some insight of the company. Jason Schreer's article when he was talking about the cancellation of Diablo three, there's some infighting about that last expansion that never got released. Mm-hmm. Um, when they were starting Diablo four, apparently it was like it was chasing the Dark Souls dragon, like they were trying to third person camera it and you know really change it up right there was some struggle and then at the end of the day you see how it released it released like diablo like you know how like um i don't know have you ever what's this what's this analogy like sometimes you got to be happy with what you have and not what you wish to be right and mm-hmm. i think there's a lot of creative people with a lot of ambition probably work at that company who look at those IPs and wish they were something different. Like I hear a lot right now of like, oh man, I take any game in the Starcraft universe, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I guess I would too. I like the universe, but I'd be very happy with an RTS. It's been 13 years and companies are doing that. It's, you know, please do an RTS, you know? And it's that, that's what I like. That's what you have. Like make that work. You know, like, don't have these excuses. Don't get distracted by things. And that's the story of Diablo 4. Diablo 4 started, uh, was not, Diablo 4 is very much a isometric, you know, top down, uh, shoot buttons, spam buttons and kill hordes of demons. Like it's play, looks and plays like you'd expect an ARPG to look and play. 
but that's not how it started. And that's like some of the reasoning why it took so long for even Diablo to get out the door, really. Because a lot of that time and early ideation, they were trying to take it in a different direction for exactly what you said, right? Like, how do we make this for modern audiences? It's like, shut up. You've already got a good success. Like, it's like Coke saying like, oh man, people must be bored of Coke. Let's put some vinegar in it. And it's like, no, don't do that. Just make Coke. It's cool. Just think of other ways to make it saleable. And, you know, them shit-canning esports is like, that's the whole thing. Like, I'm, even now when I'm playing StarCraft, I wasn't, I was playing, I'm into the campaign right now, because I'm just like, campaign's so good, and doing the masteries. But um, I was just drilling, you know, I have half a mind to play on ladder. So I was drilling build orders and learning command cards. Because, you know, it's not good to be mouse-clicking in that command card. You need to be using the keyboard, but you get lazy and you're like, oh, I'm just going to do that. So I'm like, actually just been practicing, trying to get to 200 supply army at nine minutes. I'm at about 11 right now. And to do it using appropriate button presses and techniques, and I've been watching some videos on it. It's an eSport, and that's what people like about it. But, you know, they have world champions of chess. Chess isn't exactly the sexiest game in the world. But there's people who like it. And I feel like the company that invented the progenitors eSport should just be happy that they have that and serve those uh, people. Uh, and, you know, and that, that this conversation about like they have to make billions on something or else it's not worth it for them. I just think that's low IQ talk. Like that's just how I feel about it. So, Yeah. I mean, when we talk about making video games and this is why I've always I've liked how Nintendo approaches most of their products. Like they're not perfect in terms of sometimes they chase, they chase the dollar sign with like their mobile title, some of their mobile titles and uh, stuff like that. But like, sometimes they will just be like, no, we're just going to make another Zelda and we're going to try our best to, you know, make a great Zelda game with these ideas that, you know, maybe inspired by other properties like, you know, crafting and, and building. But, uh, you know, sometimes we're going to make a Pikmin 4. That is not chasing money. That is just, let's make a Pikmin 4 for the Pikmin fans. And it's not going to make a bunch of money, although it did release on Switch, so it did pretty well. But I've always appreciated how I think Nintendo treats their IP, most IP, like Star Fox and F-Zero are probably sitting in the corner being like, why don't we get a game? But like they try to, you know, they try to keep their IPs fresh. And even if it is just a entry in smash brothers, like it's something. And I mean, Nintendo has more, more franchise like IP franchises than blizzard does. Of course. Yeah. Blizzard has three, four, three, four, four. the Warcraft. I I just, I sort of parse out world of Warcraft as a different IP than the Warcraft RTS. Hmm. But but in theory, they've got three IPs, right? Diablo, Warcraft, and Starcraft. That's what you know that company for. And, mm. oh, yeah, there's Overwatch, which... Oh, so, yeah, I would say four. <clears throat> let's, let's call it four and throw Overwatch, give, throw Overwatch a bone. <laughs> but, okay, um, yeah. but, yeah, it's a company with four IPs. Nintendo, how many... Nintendo's I mean, I would say more than 15, right? Like, <clears throat> you really went down well, to it. Probably big, more. I, I mean, the big ones are Mario, yeah. Mario, Mario, Zelda, um, Metroid. 
I you'd think it'd be Metroid. I, I, mean, I want to say Metroid. That's my that's Metroid's my definitely. They consider it B tier. It's definitely not A tier, but Metroid. No, yes. Metroid's there. Um, Pokemon would be an A tier, I'd say. Yeah, Pokemon would be A tier, even though that's not first party, right? Yeah, um, it's yeah, but it's adjacent for sure. There's also uh, what Kirby, um, Donkey Kong is, yeah. is one. Uh, I would consider the cart games. Sure. Its own sort of, um, yes, it uses all their, it, it's like Heroes of the Storm, basically. Like it's, sure. you know, uses everything, but they've got their, they've got their cart, they've got their smash, um, yep. series, they've got their party games and, um, you know, you can even parse it out now that they've got their 3d Mario and their 2d side scrolling Marios and, you know, all the little things in between, but like, you know, Kirby doesn't get that many games. Donkey Kong's not going to get that many games. I thought they had like an RPG line, but maybe they don't. They 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 do like it's funny, you know, I think it's very generous to take the Mario franchise and spit it out because you're right, like Mario has a lot of sub franchises to it. You have you do have the RPG which would be either Paper Mario or Mario and Luigi, but mm-hmm. Paper Mario is kind of like their RPG uh focus. You have Fire Emblem which again like is a um, made very popular recently with three houses. Uh, so I would consider, but that again, wouldn't depending on the year, I guess, like with three houses, it kind of bumped it up. But I think Fire Emblem Engage, which came out earlier this year, kind of, I don't know, like it was okay. It was a good Fire Emblem game, but it was not three houses. But yeah. uh, well, I think I'm, think, I'm thinking more first party because like when they sell their system, yeah, third parties are going to make games, but they've, there's an expectation from the fan base that they make those games, right? Mm-hmm. People are nuts for Mario, they're nuts for Zelda and Metroid, and Kirby, and what it like, you know. And it's just like, well, okay, that's Blizzard. Like, you know, they've got four, let's say, just four IP houses. Like, how has it taken you 13 years? Like, the Blizzard quality thing, like, <laughs> like, I don't know. I, at this point, I'm just like, yeah, it's great that you guys want quality, but at the same time, like people age, uh, we need a plan. We'd actually like to support your product. Like there's to, in my mind, there's no reason why there couldn't be a new Starcraft product of some kind every, you know, two years, like, or whatever the rate is of Mario products that there are. And that could just be an add on, like, they did with the Nova mission pack. It doesn't have to be like a full gargantuan release or anything like that. But like, you know, I liked their plan with Starcraft too. They planned three big releases. Maybe it was too ambitious, but, um, you know, esports for esports to remain interesting, it's gotta be an evolving thing. And, um, well, I think that whole, whole esports silos stagnating right now anyways, but, but things ebb and flow. There isn't something suggesting that there isn't a good idea around the corner in five or ten years. People are super jazzed about esports again. I yeah. just, I think it, I think that needs someone to decouple ownership of the sport and um, leagues because that's how Korea is doing it. I, I watched this interview with Tasteless, this YouTube account, StarCraft Historian. It's pretty, pretty good account. I don't think it got a lot of views until this Tasteless interview. Tasteless interview is really good. And basically, like, Korea was just hosting tournaments, you know, StarCraft 1, without Blizzard's blessing. Like, they were like, we don't care. Like, we're going to televise it and everything. Like, you get on board with us or we're just going to do it. Like, yeah, sue us. Like, we don't care. Like, <laughs> like it's not, 
you know what I mean? Like, I think a lot of stuff like that is like, oh, you're going to put this on uh, Fox. Like, okay, we need a contract in place and things need to be signed and palms need to be greased and whatever. But like the fact that, you know, a network can just be like, yeah, we're just playing that and we're just streaming it on our TV and, you know, what are you going to do about it? They chose to get on board with it, I think. But if they hadn't, I don't think it would have stopped them from like televising StarCraft tournaments. And no. like, that's, that's what we need. We need like the IP holders to stop squatting so damn exclusively on their games. Like just make the game, earn your, the sales in the game, negotiate very fair contracts and get, you know, there's still StarCraft tournaments running. GSL, like it was still GSL right now running. I, I don't know how the fate of that is. Tasteless was kind of like, I don't know if we'll be back next time, but there's also, is it, there's like... There's a big StarCraft tournament. I don't know if it's an upcoming DreamHack or what the name of the event is, but there's a there's another there's other StarCraft events still going. So it's still going. It's still a perfectly relevant game to be playing among a, a now a niche audience because the company's not providing any support or vision for it because they lost all their as Scott was saying on Core they they lost all they bled off all their RTS talent. They're all gone. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah, no, I wonder, I, like, I know uh, Frost Giant, is it, with uh, yeah, Stormgate? Frost Giant with Stormgate is a lot of, our, there's a lot of uh, Blizzard alums there. And, yeah. you know, a lot of people are looking with great interest towards that game. I think Zero Point's another one that might be uh, pro- an upcoming promising one. But all that yeah. to say, I've been playing a lot of StarCraft because it is, it's fairly one of a kind now in the RTS space <laughs> at this point. Like you don't have a lot of options for contemporary modern RTS and that's what you have. And unfortunately it is an excellent overall package. Like if you've never played a day in your life, you can start playing for free. You can probably get the games even on sale. They're not expensive and the campaigns are amazing. Co-op commanders is an awesome way to learn to play the game. If you like progression based stuff, and um and then there's the you know competitive side yeah i remember uh the co-op campaign stuff was sort of the co-op commanders was a way for them to sort of uh you know extend that um what you would feel like in the campaigns but extend that into some multiplayer like for me who is terrible at rts's but enjoys the experience so ladder really isn't for me like public games that sort of thing it's not really my cup of tea but co-op commanders was like a really cool way to do basically co-op campaigns that are sort of self-contained and as you said there's progression and sort of uh, uh, scoring metrics and stuff and and obviously there's a the fail state as well you could you could fail but it was always a lot of fun. And it also gave them an opportunity to sell more stuff that was tangible, not just cosmetic. Like you could buy the co-op commanders and and you still can, of course, but uh, that was a, that was one of my favorite additions. And it was also something that kind of kept the game alive post launch of the third expand or the second expansion. And that they were for a bit there continuing to add heroes uh, or well, not commanders, I should say. (laughs) Um, and yeah, it was so, it was a really cool it was a really cool thing, and I know it it kept it kept the game going for a bit uh, for me, anyways. But uh, yeah, I think it's um, it's one of those things where, as you said, like it's easy to jump in. It's it's been out long enough that Blizzard does discount it quite a bit, and and uh, uh, it's an easy one to jump into, and still looks great. 
you know, it looked great when it launched. Like it has that blizzard tech to it where it at the time of launch, like it was well optimized and worked quite well, but had that look and feel that could, you know, continue to look good 10 years later. Like we're not talking about, um, we're not talking about anything that looks terribly, it does not look bad. It still looks good. So yeah, well, uh, it is somewhat stylized. Yeah. And yeah, you, can, you know, you can tell the polygon counts are lower and stuff, but I mean, it doesn't matter. It's pretty fun. Yeah. The vehicles are awesome. Taryn playing, they're all detailed nicely, like you said. So yeah, I don't know. It's still as good a game as you can get today, even if it's like uh, 13 years old. For sure. And, uh, you know, one thing that I know now that they've announced the next 20 years of World of Warcraft, we're not going to get a Warcraft 4. Uh, Maybe? I wouldn't count it out. I wouldn't count it out. Like, I I just, I'm, I think, I'm hoping that this, the Betson's, you know, announcement was for the last three expansions. Then we get WoW 2. Oh yeah, I mean yeah. Like I've I've been playing Warcraft, but like I, you know, it's an old game. Like I I I want something new. I've been asking for something new forever. You know, that's true. I mean, if you so I guess like I I, I for me I'm a little more. I, to me, I see World of Warcraft as something they're gonna they're gonna develop until it like tanks, which is probably not gonna happen. It's kind of got that evergreen customer base built in. However. The one good sign to announcing um, six years worth of expansions and storylines is that they could technically take those six years to develop a Warcraft 4 that tells a story that bridges the gap between those three expansions and the next three expansions. But that's so probably me just going on a show and saying we should get WoW 2 soon, right? You're on team six years? <laughs> is that what it is? Is that not? Or would it be more? Would it be 10 years? Uh, three years. The, for those expansions? They're... It's their stated plan to deliver the expansions much faster. Oh, wow. So my thinking is you're going to see yearly box sales and less of these mid-expansion update business. So here's your expansion. Here's your content. We're not going to time gate it all that much. And next year, get ready to Destiny 2 style pony up your $80. Uh, Well, that is... A way. I mean, to... the player the player base hates waiting for the expansions anyway. True. So I don't they even do. think it's. A, I really don't think it's a bad thing. No. No. Well. But I mean, if you're not like the people, I think they have good research on the people who are playing an 18 year old game at this point. Those people play the people that are going to buy it are the people that are already playing it a lot anyway. So why not monetize them year over year? We're at the late stage of this thing. It doesn't make sense. You're not bringing in a large audience and and trying to get them to stick around. You're juicing. You're juicing. There's two things going on. You're juicing the existing player base that will gladly spend money regularly. I mean, 80 bucks a year is nothing for your hobby that you're going to spend tons of hours on. And let's say the sub fee too. So what is it? $200 a year, $300 a year. I mean, a golf player would laugh at your face about that for sure. It's That's like, a club, you know? <laughs> and the value of money being what it is to $300 is kind of, you know, nothing, right? I mean, yeah. for a hobby, like, you're getting off good. You don't even need that good of a PC to play World of Warcraft. You can play on your toaster. So I think the people, I think they're they're juicing the people. I think they've wanted to probably do that for a long time. I'm sure the business people love that. And I think there's a good aspect to it, which is what Metzen said, which is, Okay, let's like 
let's get some resolution on some of these story. Like they yes. brought him back, right? It, like part of the deal with his announcement was like, let's stop opening new threads. Let's like tie up this whole arc. Like the reason we started before everyone, you know, passes away and doesn't get to see the end. Like let's, let's wrap it up. So, so that's, that's, you know, there's definitely gonna be more going to be more. Wow. After that, I'm kind of hoping that's a cutoff point for a, you know, a 2.0 of some kind, like a, it doesn't even have to be a graphical uplift. I just want the zero to 60, like a full world. Like that'd be fun. Like just make it 300 years later. Let's start again. Use the same engine and, and shit like that. I don't care. It's the tech. I don't really care about It's just, uh, I don't, you know, at a certain point, I'm not going to want to play expansion 26. True. Maybe their customers do, but I just think there's a point where you've had enough expansions and it's time to stop. You're addicted yeah. to expansions, so the, I think that's I think that's partially why they announced the three of them. Like, here here's what you can expect to come down the road, and they plan on releasing them sooner. So my bet is a uh, new new one per year, or maybe year and a half, but it's not going to be six years. Huh. Well, hey, you know you are absolutely right in that. I know folks who play WoW. I always. You hear it's a roller coaster. It's like initial launch. Everyone's super excited. Then there's always those dips of waiting for content. And um, I I think you'll still see those dips because, of course, it's not going to be like a steady this drip feed. But uh, yeah, yeah, like year two is never as exciting as year one. And then they're basically, you know, releasing for free an update. Why don't they just monetize it and make it like, why don't they just. And I would have preferred if they'd done this from the jump. Just release all the freaking content uh, on the date of release. Don't make because that's like why I dropped off was time gating and gate. All right, like I'm ready to do the raid. Uh, only this wing's available this week, and only one new wing is available next week. And then there's another raid coming. I'm like, I don't got time for your shit. And I'm not playing this game every week. Like when it launches, I'm playing it for a month and then I'm out. Yeah. So release your shit now or forever hold your peace i'm not going to see it or i'm going to see it whenever i dip my toe back in and i'm over leveled for it and just sort of zoom through it so i think uh i think they're moving that direction right now is it like is that why hardcore wow has kind of appealed to you is that it's it's a it's obviously different from the the you know the content that's available on the the main servers but it's also like it's classic but it also has that like extra layer of uh, a new not a new, but like a, a different yeah. take on classic. So it's it's always nostalgic to be back into the classic. I did I played classic a bit before any of this hardcore stuff was, and it was all right. I enjoyed it, but I was like, I gotta move on to play other games. Wasn't so good that it kept me from moving on. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I got swept up with the hardcore hardcore videos, man. Like it, you know, I play hardcore in Diablo, and people are doing it in WoW, and you watch like people that have spent two weeks leveling to try, you know, be level 59, just die and lose their, lose their run. Like it's, it's a little bit more epic of a slog and well, I'm just, I'm kind of known for playing hardcore, but I hadn't done it. And I was like, well, it makes for good stream content. Like people like to watch people walk, uh, walk a tightrope. Yeah. Sometimes it's quite boring. It is like, because you got to play extra careful. I need to be over leveled. I can't push things, you know, Oh, got to kill some whelps. 
Uh, it's not just some chore. It's actually like very stressful and difficult. Um, and it's going to take five times as long because I'm being very prudent, you know? And, um, that's part of the appeal is just the, the, the pain walking on that tightrope, you know, like living on the edge or whatever. It's, it's fun. But like, would I just play classic? Wow. No. Although I will be playing season of discovery, but that's a different subject, which we can talk about as well. Um, but hardcore wow is really just like, it's, it's walking out in a tightrope and I'm privileged enough that people want to watch me do it. Like we have, I've Saturday streams have been really good. And, um, you know, it's that schadenfreude of like <laughs> someone losing their character and you're like, you idiot, you should have just done this or, you know, ah, you died. Yeah. No, I, I, man, I was, be, I would be stressed just watching people play, like knowing that something could take you down at any moment like i i played wow when it came out not not right i mean yeah i guess i did play vanilla wow but i never rated it It was always the leveling experience and i remember those early you know areas were punishing like that whole Mm -hmm. game was kind of like it's archaic in comparison to what we can play now and in terms of those systems um and i'd i'd be interested every time and wow obviously has been coming up a lot uh thanks to i i guess I don't know if it's the announcements or if it was just Metzen like giving the speech at BlizzCon, which was really good. But like, I didn't get the sense that I could be wrong, but I didn't get the sense that WoW like changed overnight because honestly, everything I'd heard previous, like Dragonflight, I basically heard next to nothing about even even as it was launching. Uh, I'm of course I'm not like in that world anymore, but it really felt like uh, if I were to come back to WoW. It would it would be really interesting to try classic because again like there is that nostalgia like I have and I know you have one too it's probably sitting on a shelf somewhere but those Ambernick uh, RG thirty five X X consoles over here but just over there yeah, it's a bunch of wires on top of it so I'm not gonna grab it no but. don't grab it <laughs> I remember like that to me is like that thing was that was that was a nostalgia hit of like I can play all these old titles that I played as a kid and. I think classic wow would be in a similar boat, you know? And I think if I were ever to resub and I know I could do it, just give blizzard 20 bucks and I'm back in, uh, I wouldn't even have to buy anything. Cause I, I do have Warcraft, uh, or do you just need to sub and you can play classic? Wow. Like, do you need to have an active like expansion or no, you don't have to have an expansion. You just sub. That's it. Yeah. Takes so, two, you, if you have battle net installed on your PC, just download classic and, sub and that's it there's there's not a big barrier between to getting into that game yeah i guess for me i just it i'd have to give blizzard money and i i haven't done that in a bit and maybe maybe classic wow is the experiment you know to see how it goes i I am curious about it because honestly like but for me it would be something i play as you said for a month i I don't think i would and even then it wouldn't be something i play a lot of but i just i just play on saturdays like that's uh, you know i'm I have other things that I want to play, so I don't. It's not like I'm playing it full time or anything. It takes longer, but that's that's where I fit it in. You know, the the goal is to try and slow and steady get to sixty, and it's it's like again for me, it's fun stream content, it's community mm-hmm. content for the show. Like I open up my Discord for people to drop in and chat with me, and come level with me in group. Like so, it's kind of a community event it's stream content and you know it's walking on a tightrope where you could die at any moment but like 
you know, would I sit here alone and want to try that? Maybe. I don't know. It's more fun with friends. That's why I waited for the official servers. So, you know, that's, yeah. It's like, I wouldn't, I, I'm not dropping everything to play it. Although this weekend we're doing Season of Discovery, um, which is a whole other thing, which is classic WoW, but they're, people have wanted like a different branching timeline, essentially. So the appeal of, of like classic is that it's like an actual zero to 60 journey. An X-Pack is like 10 levels and you're at end game right away doing end game bullshit. And there's people that like the journey of questing and going through the world, like playing Elden Ring or a Zelda or something like that. And, um, except it's an MMO. That's why we want another world of Warcraft. We want another, that experience, not 10 levels and some end game content. And, um, so what season of discovery is doing, it's really, it's code named that. Cause the guy up there was like, Oh, it's classic plus more content is they're re- they're adding like 350 abilities to the game. They're turning black fathom deeps into a raid. Um, and they have, they're going to cap it at level 25 and they're going to slowly re- up the level cap and release new content as it goes along and to discover these new abilities, that's why it's called season of discovery. You're going to have to go out and figure out how to do it. And they're not doing a PTR so that doesn't get spoiled. Um, so everyone's got to figure out day one. So I'm like actually kind of stoked for a remixed classic where things aren't where you'd expect and you don't know you have new adventure in that world. That isn't, uh, uh, the world's ending and also raid every week. And get your reputation bars up, you know. It's fun fun activities. So Yeah. So we're gonna be doing that this weekend. And I'm I think it launches Thursday or Friday. Yeah, the thirtieth, right? To that. Uh yeah. Yeah. No, I and I, I think like uh that sounds really cool. And again, like just putting a, a, a twist on I mean, it's it is kind of funny because I know classic WoW is one of those things of like uh, Blizzard saying like, well, we don't really know if this is something we want to offer our customer base. But to their credit, they did do it, and then now they're kind of like finding ways to keep it interesting. By I believe what they said was, you think you want it, but you don't. (laughs) Yeah, which is man. Uh, I mean, it's about half their half their player base plays classic. Oh, really? Wow. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's really cool. Uh, but I like I like how they are applying these twists to it. Because, again, like, Classic WoW, they could have just made it Classic WoW. And I know Hardcore WoW started as, like, a like a mod and or a community effort. And they've kind of applied those rules to, I think, even the last time, uh, I can't remember, maybe the last time you were on, I've, I'm having this deja vu where we might have talked about it before. But I think that, you know, applying the Season of Discovery and stuff like that is a really cool way to... Uh, keep mainline WoW on its own trajectory, but also have this opportunity to experiment with this classic uh, WoW and and do different things where you can have, um, you know, WoW Classic, you can launch new expansions there. Although it is funny that I know Cataclysm is still considered, it would still be considered classic, but it's like, do you just yeah. keep going? Like you just, I mean, you know. the player base is so big that obviously there's going to be people who like that. But to me, it's the, interesting thing i wasn't even interested in burning lead like i think they're just doing like i think it's just like 
what else do you do? They don't know what to do. They want to have some new hotness with like I don't I don't know really what the thinking is behind the scenes, but I know it's like the best way I can put it, it's like adults misunderstanding, you know, kids <laughs> and what they like. like. Oh, you want a classic? Well, you must want Burning Legion and you must want Wrath. And it's like, to be fair, those are good expansions. Nobody really wants anything after that. But some people do. So if yeah. I say something like that, I'm going to be wrong. But mostly, like, I, you know, I don't play anything other than classic. Like, I could care less about the expansions. Like I said, expansions are a different thing. Expansions, when you get one or two to your game, is one thing. When you're up to, like, 18 expansions on a game, and you don't crave what that entails, then... I don't want any more of it. <laughs> like that's, that's just one person's opinion on it. I guess if you're to, if you're to ask me, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, the classic experience really takes the leveling and makes it into a, an engaging journey that world of Warcraft succeeded with in the first place. Um, there are other MMOs you can get, but it's just not quite the same flavor. You know, the, the fighting's fun and yeah, the rules work well. So, I think it's all just part of an overall expression of them missing the mark on releasing a new World of Warcraft, personally. Because mm -hmm. there's a world where they don't release WoW Classic, they give us a new 0-60 to 60 or whatever full world journey. Like they've done with Diablo. I mean, Diablo is, is a whole journey. It's like an ARPG, so it's less story-based and MMO-y and exploration-based. But, you know, people are, I think, I don't know. I mean, the the types of conversations they have at these big companies in order to pick a direction, I can only imagine the amount of debate and arguing that goes on. But, um, you know, that company takes a long time to release anything new. Yeah. And they cancel half the shit that they're doing. So we get impatient and we make our own fun. That's kind yeah. of kind of what it is. Yeah, and sometimes Blizzard, uh, you know, catches up with that and releases a hardcore classic servers. Other times they just let it sit there and be like, well, we'll get to that when we get to it. And I think uh, they, they, so I think there's a team that works on the classic side of things that's really in touch, like their players. Sure. Like, and I think it's, I think it, like, I think it's kind of the case where it's like the retail people are pretty disconnected from why anyone would want to do that. And then the people they have working on that team are very well connected and are playing themselves. And it's almost kind of like this little, like, um, what's the, what would you call it? Like, just like a, you know, this like sort of side corner where a bunch of kids are just doing their own thing and just like, leave us alone. Uh, yeah. Like you the, know? like the kids yeah. table, the fun table, like, you know, or you know, just, you know. It's just like it's some other room. All the big stuff is like the big IPs and the big stuff. And it's like, yeah, it's, how's classic? You guys doing good stuff there? Okay, great. And they're not really <laughs> overly concerned with what's going on there because they don't get it. But the people who work on the classic team, um, at least on the, based on their presentation at BlizzCon and stuff, uh, I think are really in tune with um, what people like about it. So. Yeah. That makes sense. No, I, it's been really exciting to sort of watch from afar and it's always been interesting. And I think for me, like if I were to, if I were to want to jump in 
with classic, I would probably, cause again, it's all one sub. I would probably look at like, okay, how would I catch up expansion wise? Do I jump into expansion? Do I also check out classic? And, uh, but yeah, Saturday. So Saturdays, what times you usually, is it 3 PM Eastern? I uh, think. We, I, we start right now. It's, I mean, it's been pretty informal, but I've been starting sure. 3 PM Eastern on my Twitch channel, Bo Schwartz. Sure. So yeah. you want to come and hang out, watch me play some hardcore WoW. Maybe you want to play yourself. We've got a guild going and, you know, it, it, guild's a bit of a different thing because when you die, you're kind of out. <laughs> yeah. You get reinvited. Um, so, but, um, you know, we got a bunch of people. We're aiming to do dead mines fairly soon. Although, like I said, this weekend's going to be season of discovery. So we're not doing hardcore. We're doing just regular uh, style, but with a whole bunch of new classic WoW content. I'm I'm stoked. I haven't spoiled myself too much on what's going to be in it, so um, I'm looking forward to the excitement. Very cool. Well, I look forward to that. So I'll have to check that out because honestly, I'm I'm curious. I'm definitely curious. So uh, we'll see how that goes. I was gonna. So I wanted to talk about this card game. So I mean, it's not very often we play. We talk about card games and board games on the show, but occasionally it does creep in, and and it is like. It's part of, you know, the gamers in that we talk about any kind of game, video game or or, or physical game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I got my hands on uh, Dungeon Murder, which nice. is a, a game that uh, I helped kickstart. Uh, it's a game by Scott Johnson, your, you know, fellow co-host on Core. Who's um, that? Yeah. <laughs> Who's Scott Johnson? I believe he's a rugby player in Australia. Um, or oh, I think that's, that's the Scott joke. Yeah, yeah, that one. Um what a what a career shift. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I can see it though. He's very tall. I don't know if actually I don't know if being tall helps you in rugby. I'm sure it does. You think so? Yeah. Being big in any sport, especially True. Especially rough sports. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if we get into sports, I'm not gonna be able to <laughs> I I'm I'm not uh, too too sure, but um I feel like uh so yeah, like it, it's um so this is a game I kickstarted. I helped kickstart it. It successfully funded in the summer. Uh, and then of course there's the, that wait, or maybe it was even spring. I, I can't remember, but it was a bit of a wait. There was some delays on, on Scott's end, but he is been always very good at fulfilling his kickstarters. I don't think I've had any issues with any of his stuff. So he does a great job on, on that in that regard. And uh, I have his other card game, rock runners, uh, which myself and the kids really love to play. And of course, when Dungeon Murder went up on Kickstarter, I was like, absolutely, this is something that I want to get my hands on. Um, and for the last week or so, I've been playing with uh, my kids who are under the <laughs> under the age of like sort of the suggested age. I think the suggested age is eight plus, which is, you know, really always like a guideline. And I think that it comes down to like reading and subject matter, of course. But like outside of the name, there's really nothing within the game that is going to harm your children. And, and even then murders, murder is a very strong word. And that was like something that we had to talk to the kids about. Like, Hey, like this is called dungeon murder, but there's no murder in it. You know, oh, you played no- it with your kids. Yes, it did. Yeah. They they marked it eight plus Scott, Scott marked it eight plus. Yeah. I think that's what he has. It's it called as. dungeon murder. I know. Yeah. 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 That's a little weird. I mean, I, <laughs> I like the title. I like the title. And I, I've, you know, if I've talked with Scott offline about it, like he, you know, this, this is a th- passion project of his for sure. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, it is weird. That is weird. I might've put like, 
it sounds like an adult game. Like, you know, yeah, like, I'm, I'm all for showing your kids like gross stuff at a young age, but so I personally don't have a problem with it, but I, <laughs> but I just think about it. I'm like, I can see parents like, you know, having a thing I, yeah. about it. It's so like, um, and this is obviously like I'll I'll also have a similar conversation on uh, Dungeons and Diapers. We'll dive a little bit further into like the parenting side of it, but you know, I being a Kickstarter game, like there was all the card art, and I know Scott's art, and I know Scott as well. So like, the the biggest piece of feedback I have for the game, and the only negative really to pass along is like it is the name, it's Dungeon Murder, because like. There is no murder within the game. And anytime I've had to have the conversation outside of playing with the kids, it's always been like, yeah, we're playing this game called Dungeon Murder, but like there's no murder in the game. I feel like Scott had a great name and it is a good name for a game, uh, but there's no murder in the game. It's very um, it's it's like so essentially the core part of the game is you're collecting these these dungeon chambers and the whole point is to to win is to have three complete sets of dungeon chambers um, and you're like owning them. It's kind of like monopoly in that way as you're trying to own these, these sets of, of property, these dungeons and you get them by basically pulling from the draw pile and then setting them down. You can play three cards each round and you can play two to five players. So my kids, uh, the two oldest are uh, seven and six. Um, the six year old can't read, but the seven year old can read perfectly fine. So like, Sometimes I feel like when it comes to age limits for for card games and, and any games, really, it comes down to reading, right? Like you got to be able to read the cards in order to function as a uh, as a, a a solo player, like play on your own, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like having seen the game through Kickstarter, seeing all the art, seeing all the mechanics, like there's nothing within the mechanics or the artwork that is really bad for kids. There's nothing there that's bad for kids. Like it's all very benign stuff i think maybe the worst is there's a card you know there's a card with a (laughs) there's a card with a foot it's a severed foot but the but the foot has a mouth and an eyeball it's very scott like i'm describing it to you you could probably picture in your head knowing scott's artwork right so it's it's not bad in that regard but again like i think if there was a piece of feedback to pass along it'd be like look get the kickstarter out get the game out and i'm not saying this is easy to do but even to have like you know, like an all ages version where you call it like dungeon raids. So that's what we've been calling it in the house is just, we've been calling it dungeon raids because of course if we call it, keep calling it dungeon murder. The kids are going to go to school and be like dungeon murder, dungeon murder. And then the teacher's like, what's this? And we've certainly had that conversation and there's been that interaction at school. And, and that was a lesson for me of like, okay, we need to, you know, talk to the kids about you Wait, know, what your, your teacher called you to, to complain not called me, but I, I got some, I got some comment. Look, I don't know if, um, <laughs> there's this weird thing. Like it's changed a lot. So when I, when we were kids, when we went to school, your teachers would call you, right. You'd get a phone call from the principal or something these days. Uh, at least our school board, it's all messaging apps. I have an app that my school uses for my kids. That is a messaging app. And we get updates like every day from the teacher of a, like. Oh what? no! Why would you sign up for that? It's uh, not optional. <laughs> it's not optional. Well, I mean, it's strongly oh, can encouraged. You, can you leave the message unread? I mean, I I try not to answer phone calls or messages. Like now, the school wants a line to me. Like, yo, it's it's a direct line. Look, look, take care of my kid. Yeah, <laughs> that's. I mean, uh, it's interesting because. I think the way they've done it is like, of course, if you ignored it, like, I don't think it's a requirement. If you were to ignore it 
and things got really bad, that school would call you. But like, it is handy and hasn't been as obtrusive. But like, I, uh, we did okay. get a message of like, what's this dungeon murder thing? And I'm like, oh, I, and we did talk to, we, I had talked to the kids about like the name. And really, it is just the name. Everything else is like, in my opinion, uh, completely, you know, totally fine for, for kids that are, you know, if you're watching Power Rangers or uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like at that age, like that's totally fine, you know, but uh, it, it is a really fun game. And the way it sort of works is like you're collecting these dungeon chambers that you get by picking up cards from the draw pile when it's your turn. And then there are various action cards, um, some that will allow you to pick up extra cards like draw two or um there are others that allow you to like swap dungeon chambers. So it gets a bit strategic with your, you know, as you're playing to kind of like try to collect those, those chamber sets. Uh, and then there's the one card that's like a superpower move. That is a, I think it's, I don't know what it's called. I don't know what all the cards are called, but it is like the, it is the alive severed foot that allows you to basically steal like an entire dungeon chamber uh, mm-hmm. and, and put it over to your side with no, no repercussions. You just get to take it and it's yours. And and that has led to some, you know, interesting moments with, with the kids where I like try to steal their dungeon chamber. And, and my oldest will be like, he, his favorite is the rebuke card. Like it's like that Yu-Gi-Oh scene where you like slam down a trap card. You have triggered my trap. So like, mm-hmm. he's a big fan of, uh, of using the rebuke card to cancel out things. And he actually had a question like, can you rebuke a rebuke card? And I thought, oh, I'll ask Scott that. I'll, I will have to do that. I just remembered I have to still do that or else, you know, Caden's going to be like, did you ask that question yet? Because we need to know, you know, inquiring minds need to know. So they, they're clearly, all into it. Clearly written on the card. Uh, well, that's a great question. I should probably <laughs> look, at, look at the card. Like the instructions are fairly clear. And again, like I think anytime I've had a question, you're right. Like I should, I, I've had to like read the card again. It's like, oh yeah, it does clearly state like, um, I think there was an example of a card where uh, I can't remember. There was a specific card I was having trouble with and I read it again and was like, oh, that, that makes more sense. So like it, the rules are very clear, but the whole point is like to collect these dungeon chambers, there are um, raid cards that you can use to. So the other idea is like you want to keep a, a fully stocked vault of gold to be able to um, sort of, because uh, essentially the action is there are these raids and the raids that you do, which is basically just like, I play the raid card. I'm able to uh, take the value of this specific dungeon chamber or dungeon set from your vault. Like you have to pay me this. So essentially like if you have a dungeon chamber, that's like a set that's like blue and you play the raid card that has like the blue icon on it. um, You can say like, okay, you owe me, you know, 6,000 gold. It'd be the equivalent of you like landing on, a space in monopoly and saying like, okay, you owe me this. You either have to pay it out of your vault, which you add to as you collect gold, or you can pay with uh, the value that's noted at the top left of the dungeon chamber that you've laid down. You can only pay with cards that you've laid down that are actively being played. And that has also led to some moments where my six year old daughter has amassed this, you know, massive pile of like dungeon chambers, as well as like a huge, you know, vault of gold. And she's just sitting there and, you know, winning this game handily just based on the fact that she's been able to build up this huge set of dungeon chambers and, and uh, been able to play these raid cards and essentially make us pay uh, with our property as opposed to with our vaults. Uh, And, and that's, you know, 
you could play the game just by collecting cards from the draw pile and playing them and until you have, you know, three full sets. But really where the game gets going is when you're, you know, playing these raid cards and stealing dungeon chambers and stuff. So so when you kind of explain like the core mechanics of it, like it really isn't dungeon murder at all. Like there's no murdering whatsoever. It's it's a cool name, but it kind of doesn't describe, you know, your main actions. I I've been calling it again just around the kids to kind of get away from like going to school and talking to their friends about playing dungeon murder. It's like it's really more like dungeon raids, you know, like dungeon chambers. I don't know. Like dungeon murder is a great name, but you're right. Like probably not the first thing you pick up on the shelf to play <laughs> play with your kids under ten. You know? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I don't have I don't have kids, so I'm not really sure. I just remember being one and being like, I like the stuff with murder in it. Yeah. <laughs> so so I don't I don't know. I wouldn't worry about it. I think I'm not worried think- about it. Kids think murder is cool, so you're probably okay. <laughs> I I mean I'm fine. Like, look, anytime I've ever explained it to someone, I did say to I said I said this to Ashley because like, she, I said, well, what if I give? So I got the Kickstarter and I got like this this little card, and it's the the dragon card. So there's a dragon. It's called the Big Blue Dragon, and essentially when you play it, it intimidates everybody into giving you two thousand gold. Um, and it's, it's one of their, one of the kids' favorite cards. So it's, I've got this like bigger card of it, like this poster card that I got. And I said, like, I said to Ashley, like, what if I give Caden like this card and then like just those little rule book cards, and then he could take those to school. They could see the artwork, they could see the rules and really see that it's like not a big deal. So like, I, I just made the mistake of not realizing, like when you tell a kid like, oh, dungeon murder, they're going to like go to school and repeat it and be like dungeon like, murder dungeon murder is like actually what dungeons and dragons is and people sure. were vilifying that in the 80s like it's just school teachers being dumb like that's per <laughs> usual like that's you know them not knowing things and you know rushing to conclusions that it's something dangerous that it isn't yeah i wrote i wrote like like crazy i wrote crazy zombie horror when i was like nine or something to the point that they called my parents and said, like, oh, I think, I think, uh, you know, it's very disturbing, the things he writes. And my parents just laughed. Like, yeah, he's just watching horror movies, dude. Shut up. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. That's, that's, te- teachers, like, it's good for them to be on the lookout, but they're not all, not all of them are created equal. And some of them think, like, perfectly benign things are fine. So I think probably you're just uh, uh, trying to do right by your kids and by the school and be a good Samaritan, but you should tell those teachers to F off. I think I like it literally how it went. It was kind of funny because it was, and again, it wasn't, it wasn't a huge deal, but like when we were playing the game, I could see it in the kids eyes. Like, Oh man, we're going to repeat this because it's really good. Yeah. They love the kids love murder. They do. They love to say those words, right? Like you're in marketing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, It's great. It's great marketing. It's kind of funny because Caden, went to school and he was saying like, Oh yeah, a friend of mine said that he got it too. And I'm like, I'm like, Oh, interesting. Cause it, it only gone out to Kickstarter. So I'm like curious, like maybe there's another Scott Johnson fan out there. You know, you go to, you go to, you go to a Canadian school and you say like anything sideways and like, Oh, there must be something disturbing going on here. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like you go to an inner city, like New York school and like, listen to the kids talk about and nobody's blinking an eye. Right. Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it, like what happened was basically like, it was essentially, I think he was talking about it at school. Ashley got an email and they were like, just wanted to make sure you knew about this. And Ashley's like, yeah, 
Ryan got a new card game and he was playing it with the kids and it's all good. It's not a big, it's, it's not, it's not a big deal. And it, it hasn't been a big deal. And I think like I said to the the kids, like we can talk, like, like talk about the mechanics. Like, the, like that's what's most entertaining and most fun. Like, and the games take about 15 minutes. They're very quick, which again is my favorite. Uh, I, I, again, I'm not telling you to raise your kids, but I just remember my favorite game to play <laughs> at their age, me and Steve from my friend, Steve, we'd play a game called guns and we just had a bunch of guns. Yeah. And we just go Yeah. Shoot all the bad guys and set off explosives and like whatever. Like we I murdered a billion imaginary people in my childhood, you know, like chill out, teacher. Sorry, yeah. but like, you know, whatever. Like it's yeah. Well, no, you you you're absolutely I, know, I remember that too. I understand your criticism of the title at the same time. I think probably you're not getting a fair you're 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 having an annoying experience on account of it. <laughs> Yes, and it's but it's not Scott's fault. And it's not your fault. It's a dumb teacher. Sorry if you're listening, teacher, but it, you need to chill out. It's not a big deal if your kids are saying murder, like whatever. They're gonna learn it sometime. Yeah, it, it, well, it, and it's kind of funny because like the teachers have been really good. Like I haven't, I haven't had issues, and even with in this regard, it's just something I wanted to to point out. It's not hasn't been a big deal, but it is kind of funny because like we had t- kind of t- like I think swearing came up on Dungeons and Diapers and Croft and I were talking and it's like, you know, I said like, well, you know, our kids have, you know, recess. Like if you think your kids haven't heard those words, like, I mean, you know, that's a bit naive. And he's like, Oh really? You really think so? And I'm like, come on. Like, I mean, maybe his recess is different, but like for us, you got a hundred kids out on the playground, hundred plus kids on the playground of all ages. Like, I mean, come on. <laughs> those words are going to get said and i mean murder is probably like the the least of uh of those words but like yeah no but it it has been a lot of fun to play the game like it's been very fun and i i highly recommend it and again like you know the first you play a few rounds you get the you know the feel of the rules and you know even if you have younger kids that you're playing with um you don't necessarily need to be able to read the cards to to play the game once you know what each card does so like they're all I you know they all have full art on them they all have you know um uh uh like full icon sets so like the chambers the dungeon chambers are different colors but they also have icons as well so you can kind of tell like okay this is so the orange chambers are diamond icons so you can kind of look at that and, and and line them up in a way that makes sense so that you have a full set and you know, I know that was a, a big approach for Scott to make it accessible, like for folks who may be colorblind or or see colors in a different way. You can look at those icons and tell right away that it's a complete set. So, um, mm-hmm. it's it's been really cool to see that evolution from Rock Runners to this, and and how Scott's sort of applied those learning lessons uh, over this because it is a, a little bit more of a comp. It's a more complex game than than Rock Runner was was. Um, but still something you can, you can, you know, a, a round can take about 15 minutes. It, it, it's over quite quickly. And, you know, we've, you, uh, I've played like one-on-one and I've played, you know, three players and I feel like it really, it is a, it is a game that like ramps up and then it snowballs eventually. And you, you do kind of see, you might think you see like who's going to win based on that snowball effect, but there are still opportunities for games to shift at a moment's notice. And I think that's where like the main sort of suggestion is, as you're playing to make sure you have an active and well-stocked vault of gold. So you're not having to pay with your dungeon chambers. Cause that's how you win. You want the full set. So, you know, um, 
but yeah, like after a couple rounds, like we were playing no problem, having a great time. And uh, yeah, I think that uh, for folks who want to pick it up, I don't know if he, he said that he was going to have all the Kickstarters fulfilled and then put it on the store. It might already be on the Frog Pants store. I'm not sure, but uh, should definitely be there very soon. So, and I know you're getting a deck as well. It was mentioned on course, so you'll be able to, to play well, it and have maybe. a good time. It depends if it makes it here. Mailing things to me is not a simple, simple thing. Yeah. Is that just you specifically or Canada in general? Because No, no, it's my house specifically. Oh, really? I, get, I don't get half the things mailed to me, so I try to actively discourage it. So. Oh, that's unfortunate. Mail's fun. I live, in, I live in the top half of a house. Oh, I see. So stuff gets delivered to the front door. They can't find my door, and it ends up lost or returned. Or yeah, I try not to order. I order as little as possible. Oh, oh man, that would be stressful. I mean, I can walk to the store. It's no big deal. Like that's you know, true. That's yeah. true. But you can't walk to the frog pants store. That might be a might be a trick. Yeah, it makes some things annoying. But uh, I mean, whatever. It's just it hasn't been hugely life impacting. But sometimes when I do get sent something, it takes a really long time or never gets here. So. <laughs> Hopefully it gets here. Understood. Well, hopefully, like I think you'll have a good time, and I know you and Mike and Crofton will be able to uh, to play this one. I think and really enjoy it. So, um, yeah, definitely check it out, folks. Uh, I'm curious, though. I mean, moving back to the realm of video games, and more specifically, the future of video games with VR. You've been playing Assassin's Creed Nexus. I'm curious about this one because I'm, I, I like, I'm tempted because it looks really cool. Yeah, I mean it plays like an Assassin's Creed game, but it's in first person. So like you have your wrist you have your wrist knife, so when you flick your controller it, it comes out and then you can grab somebody's body and then stick it in them and kill them. It's just like real murder. Kids love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like are you in any dungeons? Well, I mean, it's more level based, but I'm oh. I was at Ezio's like town or whatever and you know it gets raided, and you have to sneak around and kill people and do some sword fighting. Sword fighting's okay. It's not as good as blade and sorcery, but, um, you know, you can block and parry with the blade, and it, it has good controls for, like, seated as well as standing and pretty convenient. I mean, it's a great title, but you, have you done any VR? Like, I'd, having a conversation about VR is, like, weird if someone doesn't... True play with uh, vr because it doesn't explain like you have to have some experience i think yeah uh like the closest experience so i i do have a meta quest 2 and oh. like i think the closest experience i had would have been like saints and sinners i played a little bit of which has like sort of the grabbing mechanics and like the close combat but also Did you play you know, walking dead at all uh yeah oh, that's saints and sinners yes it is yeah dead. sorry yeah yeah, perfect. So Walking Dead's pretty good, actually, I think, because I know one of the things that's great about that one is you can stick a knife in someone, then you have to pull it out. Yeah. Which is, like, it's an important part of the overall experience. Like, because I, that was the, the heavily modded Skyrim VR thing was, like, just like that. Like, it really, in a video game, when you play stealth and kill people, it's like, yeah, I press E or I press X or something like that, and guy dies, right? But when you actually have to like grab the person, kill them, and then you sort of mime it a little bit, we're like, shh. You're like, wow, murder's like horrible. Like, it's not that cool at all. Like, it's, you know, I'm like, I'm taking somebody's life. Like, we stick in a knife in them. Like, it feels like a little more in place. It's kind of like almost disturbing. And you definitely get that when you play Assassin's Creed. It's pretty good. 
I don't know if it'll run on Quest 2, though. No, um, I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Like, I... I feel like uh, I feel like you're still seeing sort of the Quest Two, Quest Three sort of bridge in terms of like games coming out, but I I think there might be. Obviously, it's an experience best played on the latest hardware. Um, but uh, I feel like my Quest Two is probably going to be you know relegated to like linked play, like with Steam VR or something. Yeah, probably. Although I don't, I think it's a, I think it's an Oculus exclusive for now. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, but the Quest Three is kind of worth it because, uh, for other reasons, not just processing power, but the uh, lenses are a lot wider. You have a little bit less vignetting from the overall piece that's in front, where you're looking through sort of holes. Like it's very, very wide open in terms of your peripheral eye space and stuff. It's a big improvement um, over the two. It's not perfect. I think PS VR Two is even better in that regard. I think the big thing about the PS2 VR is it uses OLED screens, which Quest 3 does not. But um, it is like, it's definitely like hands down a much better experience in the Quest 3. Right. And it pulls in heroes from previous Assassin's Creed games. So you mentioned Ezio. I'm just looking at the key art here. You've got, uh, is it Connor from Assassin's Creed 3 that I want to say? Yeah. I, I can't remember who the other one is. I think. But there's a uh, but Cassandra's in it, and I've played as Ezio. It's three of them. Very cool. Um, yeah, it's good. I enjoy it. You know, it's but it's an Assassin's Creed game. Like it plays like it, but a VR version. So, uh, but I think the big thing is usually when you're playing VR games, they're just highly specialized experiences. Like they're just kind of like it's like a, a shooting gallery or it's a racing game. Um, Full on like RPG style adventures. The big quality are pretty rare, and this is one of them, and it's pretty good. It's not janky. The controls are smart, you know, for 2023, so it's it's a recommend for sure. Right, and how does it feel to, because of course, how does it feel to jump off of uh, a building into a, a, a stack of hay? Does that feel, you know, exhilarating? It's all right. I've had, yeah. I've had more exhilarating things. Uh, it's not the, <laughs> like, because there's lots of VR video of, like, way cooler shit than sure. than that you know so it's like i have a, a strong stomach for it. i do not get sick or motion sickness in vr like i get negative motion sickness i'm almost like what's this wussy stuff bring it on <laughs> now spiders in vr i hate but i like, did see that clip yeah yeah but like everything else like you know so it's like yeah you jump off the building it's cool like it's not uncool but it's like no. not I'm I'm not gonna sit here and be like you have to you should drop everything and buy a headset just because jumping off the building's amazing because it's <laughs> it's just it from first person, but like I've got I've got such good VR legs now that like when you first get your headset, there's a lot more of a wow factor to the way you're experiencing everything, but when you play regularly, it's still cool, but it's like you get acclimatized to it and the wow factor, you know, the novelty of it. Like, I'm a little bit sad because the novelty factor is definitely very low for me. So, and you can see the novelty factor in like Oculus game reviews where like people have clearly just bought the headset and played their first game and it's kind of a trash game, but it's a five-star game because VR so rad, man. <laughs> you know, <it's, laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's the opposite of Steam where everyone's played PC games for decades that are super jaded. It's just like... This game was amazing because it was in 3D. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of that. 
for me, so I'm I'm a little bit more on the jaded end of things, but I do enjoy Assassin's Creed. It's quite good. Cool. Yeah, I I still have a bit of I wouldn't call it VR sickness because I know uh, Jocelyn um, can't even watch someone play VR. Like, uh, it literally make her sick. But for for me, like I I can do VR, but you know, Al- uh, uh, Half Life Alex is a good example of like. Even playing that game for more than an hour or two, I get like this. It's not a, it's not a stomach ache, but it is that like weird feeling in the pit of your stomach of like VR sickness, like starting to creep in. But um, I can usually kind of wave it away. But really, where I struggled was I think I played a little bit of. Uh, I think I think it's now shut down, but it was the the uh, Lone Echo multiplayer game where you're kind of like floating around in space and grabbing onto handholds and moving around. It's like a disc game or something. And yeah. that really threw my stomach for a loop. Like I could not, mm. I couldn't do it. I had to shut it down. Mm. Um, I, I like, I like the VR experiences, but like the most, some of the, some of my favorites have been like some of the smaller ones. Like I, I think Moss one and two was, was very cool. And it was like just a different way to play like a platforming game. But I do appreciate the first person sort of experiences like that they that they do. Like I think Half-Life Alex is a, a really good example. And I don't think we've kind of seen anything like surpass that. But that's also like a huge title, like a big, a big I gotta title. play that in the new headset too, actually, now that you mentioned it. Yeah. I see it on the on the, the big lenses. The the bigger lenses and periphery really add a lot to the game experience. Like it's, cool. it just, it, it makes you feel closer, more one-to-one in the space with more periphery. Cause you get used to that tunnel vision on the, on the quest two. Um, but it actually is like a lot more better and a lot more comfortable in the quest three. Cool. I think it, it also does that as a foveated, uh, rendering where it's like, also it tracks your eyes. And so I think it renders less where your periphery is. It does tricks like that as well. Oh yeah, that's really cool. You know, I remember. I think uh, the uh, PlayStation VR two does that as well. And yeah, I think uh, Quest three does it too. I'm not a hundred percent sure on that, but I think so. They definitely have the pancake lenses, though. So, you know, you get more peripheral vision while you're in the headset, which just adds a lot to immersion. Yeah. Now, are you playing? Like, do you play with your glasses, or do you have contacts? My glasses wedge right in. Usually, it's perfect fit. Nice. Okay. Yeah. And uh, you can, and there's like an extender, I think. Like, I think when you buy your headset, you can get, you can add like a little bit of space for the glasses or just not use it, I think. So, but yeah, I need, I need the, I, I, I'm nearsighted. So even in the headset without the glasses, you think the screen's near, but it's still, I can't yeah. see shit. <laughs> like, it's yeah. still, everything's still fuzzy. So you and I are the same. I would, I would not be able to see anything without my glasses, although I do. Uh, wear contacts so like I would like VR was sort of VR is like a was a prep for me it was like okay where am I playing this am I playing wireless am I playing wired okay now like I usually only wear my contacts during the day like eight to four for like work Uh, Mm -hmm. am I like not wearing my contacts during the day and then putting them in after the kids go down to play VR (laughs) like it's this whole process of uh, and then clearing space like you know I was able to like the living room upstairs is kind of like there's an open enough space where I can set up a, a decent play area and it's not too far from the Wi-Fi router. If I want to do like a wireless sort of uh half-life Alex or something, but uh, my office is a little too constrained for 
playing wired but um i've always i find like i play play everything sitting down yeah i mean i could do that i'd be afraid of punching my monitors or knocking my printer over or something i'm very paranoid about my technology (laughs) you you got a comfy love seat or a couch none here no this is pretty pretty constricted in here i've got i've got a l-shaped desk and a bookshelf behind me so like i feel like if i were to but if you ever to play in the living room like we have a couch or something like that like I have a, a just a single person chair that's like yeah. comfy, like a couch, and it's great. It even has like high armrests so that I don't even have to lift my arms up. <laughs> like I can just keep them up like this, and they're resting, and then do you know things. It's perfect for VR. It's your VR throne, so to speak. Kinda, yeah, yeah. It's, um, no, I I do have a I do have like a smaller chair that honestly doesn't get used very much because it's like you have the main couch and then a side couch and then there's just this single seater over to the side and like i have used it actually i think that's how i played through uh most of moss one and two moss one was um uh through oculus link just sort of over the air i think it's called oculus link or whatever they call it um and then moss two was like on the headset and that's kind of how i played is just you know sitting and sitting down and um you know, like really like, you know, for standing up games, uh, I played a lot of Resident Evil four, which was a lot of fun. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I find if I sit down and like, I'm, I'm hitting the controllers off, you know, the couch and stuff a little bit more. Like I don't have, I guess I don't have those VR legs or that VR sense of presence just yet. I'm still, I don't play enough to kind of, I haven't been able to like gain that skill. Depends what your games you're playing too. I mean, sword yeah. swinging games tend to be a little worse, but um, guns, you know, usually guns are okay. Yeah. Also, depending if you have if you dock in the belt or shoulder, like some games are better about that than others. So it's really there's no universal standard for like all games. So sometimes it's just the game itself lends itself better to sitting. But yeah, like Blade and Sorcery, you got to stand up and swing around. But like, I can sit and play Skyrim VR or Half Life Alex, no problem, um, and not really feel like I'm hitting anything. Yeah, well, that's good. The game. Yeah, for sure. But I don't, I don't like doing anything too active in the headset because for me, it steams up my lenses. Yeah. Like if I start, my body heat starts going up because, <laughs> you know, I'm starting yeah. sweating or whatever, then I can't see anything in the headset. So I'm like, what's the point? Yeah. Well, no, yeah. And, that, and then, you know, those headsets are, you know, they're strapped to your head and... They're already hot too. Yeah. You basically got a computer running, especially if you're running the game like on the headset. <laughs> yeah. 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 It gets pretty warm and you get some... You know, when you take it off, you have like that VR press because, of course, you want to press it as close as you can to your face to make sure the light doesn't get in. And I got the Elite Strap. The Elite Strap, definitely a big recommend. I didn't do it the first time. Hmm. The, the Elite Strap is like, I'm showing it on the camera here. It's just you turn it. Yeah. And then you, once you have it on your head, you just adjust it. This thing, because it's plastic, it's just like, and you get this little like circle thing, yeah, clamps to the back of your head. It's such a so much better of an experience than the than the than the regular strap. Yeah, yeah, no, I have one for the MetaQuest Two, and it it again, it's a game changer. I think the biggest issue with VR headsets previous to that is, and I know the 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 Vive HTC Vive was like really had like. And the, and the PSVR as well, 
they were kind of heralded as like, okay, like they've, they've really nailed sort of the, I think the cradling aspect of like, it kind of like has this like sort of circular device behind you that kind of like cradles the back of your head and just kind of like is able to clamp down better without causing discomfort. Like it doesn't feel like it has to be so tight in order for it to stay in place. But, um, it, mm-hmm. it increases the cost of course of, of the meta quest, like the meta quest, uh, platform is based on like how can we offer the most the least expensive headset but there are ways to like you can make it more expensive but yeah you're right the elite strap is like you have to have it and and it is modular you don't have to buy it right away you can kind of like get into it and then if you're really enjoying the platform like certainly go for the upgrade um they make a really good case too if you're paranoid like me and you want to make sure you're your housing, your expensive tech as best you can. Um, it, they, those, those cases are really good too. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm tempted to get the three. I think I'm fine with the two, but I think there will come a point when, uh, an upgrade will be necessary if I'm sticking with the platform. Right. So, but, uh, yeah, I, I hear really good things about it for sure. Um, well, we got one more game here that we want to talk about, and this is a smaller experience. Uh, it's called Backpack Hero, and uh, this is a uh, an inventory management roguelike. So it's kind of like a twist on the deck builder roguelike, where uh, instead of like cards and building a deck, you're building an inventory based on running through this dungeon. Uh, and there is murder, in case you're wondering, you're murdering uh, bad guys in this dungeon. Um, but essentially you start a run off with this very small backpack and you get a couple of key items, um, usually a sword and you start off with a sword and a shield and like a plate of food and it's turn-based. You have a dungeon map, you click through the map and as you progress, you might find like, uh, XP or, uh, different events like shops and stuff, but there are enemies to fight as well. And it's turn-based and it's kind of got that like, um, darkest dungeon setup where you have your character on the left you have one character on the left and then you might have multiple enemies on the right and you kind of choose who you attack and stuff but uh, you attack and defend based on the items in your inventory um your character is only as good as the inventory you have uh so early on you're starting with a basic attack sword and a basic uh armor shield and you have four energy points and uh depending on the item at least early on, it's it's one energy point per action. Um, you can either attack or defend, and everything the enemies do is is uh, is sort of shown to you, so you know what the enemy is going to do, whether it's going to attack or add uh, shield points to their to their armor. Um, and similar to other roguelikes, the uh, uh, the shield or turn based games like this, the shield armor only is active for one turn, so. And that goes for both you and the enemies. So you can see if an enemy is going to attack you with like eight points of damage, you click on the shield until you have enough damage to uh, withstand that attack. Um, and like as you progress, you level up. And when you level up, when you get enough experience to level up, like you're not changing stats, you're actually increasing the size of your backpack. The backpack is magic. That's critical here. I should have started with that. It's a magic backpack. And it's grid-based, and as you level up, you can add four extra sort of slots um, to the grid. And that allows you to add more items to your backpack, therefore giving you more options in combat. Because as you progress, you're you're getting more items and such. 
So it's a really interesting sort of setup for what is going to end up being like a very dynamic playthrough of, of these runs, these dungeon runs. And um, it's got a bit of like, uh, you know, it was kind of shown as like, oh, like, you know, the inventory management, it's like, you know, dredge or Resident Evil in terms of like, it's got a bit of that. But for me, I found like it kind of limits you in at least early on in the runs. It's limited me on like how much I can pick up. So like I'm not finding like the inventory management particularly like fun. It's just there. What I've found to be fun is really like just the dungeon mechanics and and the randomness of of your uh, abilities and weapons and such. So it's it's a fun game, but uh, the inventory management isn't like it. It works. It's not something that is like, uh, in my mind, I, I would put it a, as a bullet point, but like, it's fun. It's just, it's not something that like you put above everything else. It's not for you. Well, like the inventory management works. It's just, it, it is like, it's not something that I would leave with like, oh man, the inventory management is, is the, is the best thing ever. Like for it me, seems like, it seems like it's the crux of the game though, considering it's called backpack hero. Like, I think- like, it is a little bit going to appeal. It's like there's a resident evil inventory management game. Oh, Um, is there? Yeah. It's like a puzzle game though, but yeah, it's just, it's just the inventory. It's just like they're vibing off the RE inventory and it's like Uh. you put the puzzle together. So I think, cause there's another game like this called backpack battles, I think. Okay. Where it's like an auto battler, but you have to manage a backpack of items and probably the same way you're describing, I think. Um, so it's a whole, I think it's a whole thing that appeals to someone. So if you're like, I don't really like the backpack management and like, I think probably that's just not to your taste. My guess. Yeah. It, like, I guess like, I'm not trying to be negative in terms of like, I guess where I'm coming from is like, it works. The inventory management works and it is, but it's not like, like, I'm sure it's fun for, for folks who want to like min max. Like I'm not a min maxer when it comes to like inventory, yeah. like. Do you like packing the car when you're going on a vacation and making <laughs> no. sure the trunk fits everything appropriately? No. Yeah. If anything, so think, my f- So, because when you favorite. say it works, I'm like, well, I hope any game you buy works. So Yes. So, you know, I think what you're saying is, like, it probably appeals to someone. And not That part doesn't appeal to me, but I like the battling. I thought, I honestly thought the inventory management would be, able, like, I would be into it more. But, uh... Yeah, like like I said, like I, uh, you're right. I'm sure there are folks out here that like. Like you have to put items next to other items to make them more powerful and stuff like that. Yes, yeah, you do. Yeah. So there are some items, like say the shields or the armor, that say like, "Hey, if," um, like a really cool one was uh, the bow and arrow. So the bow and arrow only works with ammo, which makes sense. But the ammo is is not uh, something that exhausts uh, each turn. So for example. There, there is one quest I picked up where like you start as a, as an archer and it's like a bow and you have two arrows. The bow says, Hey, this only works for as many bows that are to the, or as many arrows that are to the right of the bow in your inventory. So like as the game progresses, there's a little more strategy to how you lay out your, your backpack. But each time you start over a new run, it resets the size of your backpack. So at least early on, as I was progressing, by the time I got a big enough backpack where like the inventory management really needed to happen, I was it was resetting. So like maybe later on in the game it'll get to be a little more complex and but I I am starting to see like that strategy aspect of like okay, 
the bow and arrow needs to have arrows to the right of it. And then I'll be able to attack two times. If I get a bigger bow, I can put more arrows to the right of it to attack more. And like, the, like that strategy is there. Um, and I think it, the, the game is obviously like, I'm not, I haven't finished it yet. So there's a lot more to it, but you're right. Like what is not working for me might still be very interesting to those folks who really love like that strategic inventory management. Cause you're right. There are items that impact others and there's many layers there for sure. But, uh, there is other stuff to it as well. Like there's a, uh, like a town management to it as well. So like you have the dungeon side that you're moving through the dungeon and completing quests, but there's also like a town management where you're, you know, bringing more people to your town, you're building up um, buildings and such that grant you resources and, and extra quests. So like they give you quests to kind of be able to go back into the dungeon with a, with a specific starting inventory, which, you know, mixes things up. So for example, if you've done enough standard runs, you might want to do an archer run or, um, uh, various other runs to get different resources and to try different things. But like, I feel like, even though I feel like I'm fairly far along, uh, it feels like there's a lot to this game, uh, that, that is going to have like more strategy to the inventory, but you're absolutely right. Like me saying like, ah, the inventory works. Like I think for folks who really, really love like that inventory management side of it and are into min maxing and making sure they have the, the strategic layout, like, uh, I think this has that game. This game has that for sure that I think will will scratch that itch for folks. So, um, but yeah, it's available on uh, I'm playing on Steam. Works great on Steam Deck. It's also available on Switch. It just launched out of uh, out of early access. And uh, yeah, it's a fun game. And like I said, I, I'm really enjoying the turn based combat. Uh, but yeah, like you're right. Backpack Hero. I think the inventory is kind of like where it comes from. And and, and the, the strategy that I've started to see has been been fun so uh check that one out folks before we get into the news though i wanted to thank our patrons uh thank you so much for supporting the show patreon.com slash the gamers in and also thank you to everybody who supported our extra life campaign so far bit.ly slash tgi extra life 2023 we uh we played some games with you bo and we had a great time playing some sea of thieves so that was a good yeah, time a yeah. yeah it was really fun and uh we have some more events in december uh, Saturday, December 9th, uh, myself, Travis, Whirlwind, and Nevermore will be playing Sackboy Adventures starting at 8 p.m. Eastern. And uh, then we have our holiday, uh, well, we usually have a holiday party to sort of cap things off, but I'm calling it the Holiday Party Animals stream, which is going to be Friday, December 15th, starting at 8 8.30 p.m. Eastern. It's a little later. But we're going to be playing Party Animals, which was a, a surprise hit, an eight-player, you know, uh, team-based uh mayhem simulator so if you've played game beasts uh, you've probably seen this party animals game it's a lot of fun um it's kind of like it's kind of like a mix of like mario party and smash brothers or like a or like a wrestling game honestly that's probably the best way to describe it so yeah a lot a lot of fun so tune in for those events coming in december Now, uh, let's move into the news here. We have a couple stories, and we're going to kick things off with the fact that everybody's getting out of video games, including TikTok maker ByteDance, reportedly ditching gaming. But uh, I didn't know this, but I guess Marvel Snap is sort of run or published by Newverse, which is connected to uh, ByteDance, which also makes TikTok or supports TikTok. 
So Marvel Snap has been reassuring worried players that Marvel Snap might be going away. But I feel like Marvel Snap is popular enough that they they can kind of get away with saying like, no, no, it's all good. Like, even though our publisher is getting out of video games, like we're going to be good. So um, I don't know, like, have you are you still playing Marvel Snap? Like, I guess that's, uh, that's you were playing quite a bit at launch, right? Um, I think I uninstalled it by now. I mean, I, I like it. I like Ben Brode. Yeah, it's uninstalled right now. Um, I like Ben Brode, but uh, JPEG brawlers are they're kind of on the outs for me. True. So um, I stopped playing it. It's, it's a good game, though. It's fun. You know, people, there seemed to be a bit of an audience for it, but they fumbled on the PC release. And, um, oh. But they, they seem to, you know, want to put competitive modes in and stuff like that. So it seemed like a successful product, but, you know, just like StarCraft, uh, just because it seems successful doesn't mean uh, uh, the people um, it, it accomplish the intended goals in terms of godly amounts of revenue. So it's just, I mean, I think they even said Final, Fan- the Final Fantasy, like Square Enix was disappointed in like Guardians of the Galaxy, even though it was a critical success and stuff like that. Just another one of these. Yeah. You're, the company that owns you thinks your game did shitty even though it's a critical success and people like it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean it, so basically like there's been, I'm pretty sure it's like still reported, but it sounds like ByteDance is getting out of video games. And we've, we've seen a lot of like this sort of, we've seen all this a lot in the industry, like, you know, layoffs and, and just full on retreats from, from the industry, like from even funny enough, I think it was like, wasn't it Twitch? They had their own, Maybe it was Amazon. They had their own, like, it was, like, called Crown or something. Like, you know, their own sort of, like, uh, video A lot game. of companies flirt with things that aren't their primary thing. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. you know, they say they're getting to gaming, then it's, it does modestly, and they give up. Yeah. Yeah. The old Google approach. Um, but, like, it's it sounds like uh, it's it's interesting to see that Marvel Snap, like, literally out on their official channel saying that, hey... We've seen the reports. People are concerned. Uh, you know, we we assure you that we're good. We're going to continue to operate and flourish in the future. I think like, I think that's good on them for for being able to, to for saying that. Whether they were you know allowed to address those uh, those concerns about their parent sort of publisher or whatever, but um, it's still good. And you want like you're so kind of. They said, uh, so they, yeah, they said basically like, you know, thank you for your concern and assure you that we're, we're good. You know, we'll continue to operate, but. Like on their Twitter account? Yeah. On their official Twitter. Some of our ex- players have expressed their concerns regarding reported structural changes at Newverse. I wish to thank you for your concern and assure you that regardless of any changes at Newverse, staff will continue to operate for the future. Hmm. Okay. Well, they might have their. They might have their, you know, uh, T's crossed or whatever in terms of uh, whether it's buying themselves, like uh, pulling a bungee and buying themselves out or being sold off to Embracer Group or something like that. So. <laughs> Maybe someone with, you know, someone who is also not, not burning. Ho- hopefully not Embracer Group. It was yeah. a joke. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's, and it's so funny that the, the follow-up gift to that tweet is, is from Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, the video game. Um, so I thought that's, that's kind of funny, but it's, uh, I think it's one of those things where you, you have a, you have a free to play game and the worst thing that can happen to your game is, is like 
negative press. Like people stop spending money on it. Revenue goes down and it's, it's kind of, it tanks from there. So like they, they had to do something. They had to say something. Um, and I'm sure they, they knew that and their parent company knew that. And the only way they're going to, you know, recover value from that, from that deal is and sell it is, is by keeping the game running. So I think like it's in their, it's in everyone's best interest to, to kind of keep a, a positive look at it. But, um, I don't know what other products Newverse has, like in terms of other games that they'd be looking to sell off. I I, I didn't even know Marvel Snap was part of sort I of this connection the, to TikTok. I, I think that's the only one. Yeah, yeah. So they I didn't mean, do I, much. I I did peek at an article. If they're mentioning Marvel Snap and nothing else, then if that's the biggest fish in their pond, there's probably nothing else there. Note. Yeah. Uh. Well, our next story here, and I, I included this because. I've obviously played some tribes games in the past, but I feel like you might, you might've mentioned tribes, but honestly, now that I think about it, it's the uh, planet side games that you've mentioned, which aren't at all the same, but uh, yeah, planet side were made by, it was made by tribes devs. Oh, was it? We're, okay. We're, interesting. We're for Sony online entertainment. Yeah. Oh, did tribes sort of roll out of that based on, or tribes? It's a different, is always... it's a different franchise. Planet side's sure. whole deal was let's have a thousand people on a server. So there was definitely concessions made for um, the kinds of abilities that were available because tribes is more identifiable as big jump, big jumpy, you know, um, arcade uh, shooter, um, deathmatch shooter. Uh, Planet Side's a little more grounded, but it was meant to be an MMO where thousands of people were constantly warring. But there were devs that DNA was in that first release, and you can kind of see it and just the the art approach and and things of that nature. Um. Yeah, but I mean, direct tribes experience. I played with planet side player, not a tribes player. So, okay. Well, uh, maybe you'll be able to jump into tribes because tribes three rivals is in development by uh, Prophecy Games, which is a uh, an independent studio which is uh, founded within High Res, which are the folks that made uh, tribes. So this is tribes three, and uh, I guess they are running large scale tests. I didn't. I didn't know this game was coming out. Um, I had thought sort of high res was sort of like focused. I mean, I know them for smite. That was their big sort of deal for me, but, uh, they're looking at uh, larger scale play testing to be held very soon. So uh, as of this article, it says later this week, but, uh, we could be seeing maybe the beginning of like a, a larger scale marketing push with the game awards, uh, coming up. Like you're already starting to see like the game awards stuff slip out, but also like, because it is such a massive show, you have some developers and publishers sort of pre-announcing stuff like, um, you know, stay tuned for an announcement, announcement of an announcement kind of thing. This kind of feels like that. Like we're going to see like a bigger push uh, for tribes here. Typical, but, uh, typical crap. There's so many games that get announced. Uh, <laughs> just like, I just shut my brain off to it. It's like, okay, <laughs> show me a trailer. Give me a date. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Exactly. Uh, and speaking of uh, give me a trailer, show me a date, I think we have a date, but we don't have a trailer quite yet. But we do have a first look here um, at the Fallout series from Amazon. And this sparked a bit of a conversation in the Discord about how, like, well, I hopefully they don't Halo TV show it, where, like, the Halo TV show was very accurate to the universe visually but struggled in the story department, made a lot of like creative changes. And I know they said like, well, it's the silver timeline. It's different. And it's like, well, you know, I think the last of us on HBO kind of proved that we want something very 
close, if not an improvement upon um, the the original story, essentially. Like we want that. It's an adaptation. We don't want something set in the universe. We want adaptation. Um, Now this first look, obviously I think nails the visuals, but there's also a lot of talk here about the story and they say like, while this isn't an adaptation of Fallout 4 or 3 or whatever, it takes place canonically uh, within the universe of Bethesda's Fallout. Uh, and they've worked directly with Bethesda on that to make sure like they this this show fits within the universe. Um, now, are you a Fallout player at all? Like, did you play like the, ori- the originals or maybe like the uh, the never played a Fallout? Never. Oh, OK. Yeah, I've tried them. I did not enjoy it. I could play for a few hours and like I'm out. Now, is that like the the first person shooter tactics one? Like, or sorry, I'm mixing the two. Was it three or four or was it one or two that you played? I've played played Fallout 3 for a few hours. I've played New Vegas for an hour. I've played Mm -hmm. 4 for an hour. I've played 4 VR for an hour or two. I don't like them. Well, maybe you like the TV me. show. This is not for me. Maybe yeah. you know, uh, Last of Us. I don't think is the, that great of a game either. And I watched the TV show, and it was it was okay. Yeah, um, yeah. it was a good I, adaptation. I, I think it, it um, might have been. I couldn't tell you. That's true. Play the games, but um, it was an okay. I would just rank it as just an okay TV show. Yeah, I thought it ended pretty badly, but. It is a video game. We had to have our video game level on the video game show. <laughs> it is so funny because, like, the ending of The Last of Us is kind of heralded as, like, one of those video game story moments of, like, oh, man, they did it so well. And and the show does adapt that directly. And I think it that... was, like, realistic up to the point where the guy gets to kill of course. 30 people easily. You know, yeah. it's like, all right. Well. And they let him go to go kill him. They're like, we're letting you go. It's like... No, they. He should have died. He got caught, and he should be dead. And but and I think that's game. yeah, video game definitely. Like we, you we, know. we have to have our ray or, or moment to shoot through a level full of guys, and I'm just like, okay, I'm watching a video game show. Like yeah. I don't, I don't. It's, I still think it was like overall like a well done production. A lot of hard work went into it and thought, but sure. I think like as like far as stories go, it was pretty milk toast. And yeah. make, it makes me want to play the game less. <laughs> no, well, you know, but like you really don't need to. You've you've seen the show. You kind of you've experienced... yeah. Like I understand it's kind of a one to one thing too. Which it, is, it is. I mean, whatever. Uh, you know, I'm, if people like it, I'm happy that people have games and TV shows they like to watch. So you know, don't yeah. mind me, but I didn't care for it all that much. It was okay. It was watchable. Yeah, like the thing is, when you look at the Fallout series, like really, you're getting there's that visual element to it uh, that they've really captured here. Specifically this shot of uh, the main character, Lucy at, uh, I think it's called Philly, which is the town, but it very much is reminiscent of like new town uh, followed three sort of thing with like the sort of the junkyard feel uh, to it. But uh, yeah, like it's, um, and you have Walter Goggins in it. Like, I mean, come on, what's not to love Walter Goggins. He's great and everything. Uh, He's playing the ghoul. So, like I'm not as steeped in the lore of Fallout, but um, I am looking forward to the show. I, I, uh, I mean, I don't know if Amazon Prime is really like done. I don't watch a lot of their shows. Uh, 
but uh, I'll definitely watch this one. I think it's out in April. Uh, yeah, I think they announced April 12th is when this one is going to be starting. I think uh, no trailer yet. But um, again, talking about that pre-marketing marketing, I could see this one getting a teaser at the Game Awards. Like we're kind of in that sort of mode right now. But uh, maybe with a trailer, you'll be swayed. It doesn't sound like you're going to go back to the video games, but you might, you know, you have Amazon Prime, right? Maybe. I, I mean, maybe you don't. yeah, but all that, all this whole high profile stuff, I don't know. It's just not, it's just not at my wheelhouse. Like I'm, I'm more of a, the boys enjoyer. Um, sure. I really like, I really like the boys cause it's sardonic and jaded. Um, the actual serious, serious adaptations of like serious stories like a halo it's like skip like i don't uh i don't need to see that stuff i'm not really that's just not my wheelhouse uh, for for watching things so and there's so much television out there like i'm not gonna sit here and like let's spend 15 minutes encouraging bo to watch the halo tv series i just don't watch that much tv like i think we were talking about this in court i think i've watched like five movies this year oh and the only TV shows I watched this year were rewatches. I watched Rewatch Community, and yeah. um, I'm watching Our Flag Means Death, and I like that show quite a bit. Um, that's pretty much it. I'm starting to rewatch The Expanse because I've played the Telltale Expanse game, which is quite good. Um, that's pretty much all I've watched for TV this year. So I'm I'm like I, I'm mostly a YouTube watcher. I'm more I'm. <laughs> You're I'm fixing your watch, algorithm. One StarCraft uh, two video my, at a time. I, I watch YouTube. I watch like uh, Korean TV sometimes, and I watch concert videos in VR. Like that's pretty much my. Not that big on TV these days. Uh, but I'm I mean, sure I'll come fine. around, and maybe I'll in the future. It's not like I've sworn off of it. I watch plenty of video, mm-hmm. but um, I spend most of my time playing video games. So yeah, there's only so much time you have to consume content, right, in a given day, and I think well, that. The difference yeah. too is I'm a single forty year old. Like most people I know are in families, and watching TV is like family time. Even with my mom living here now, she a way for us to spend like an hour together is like to watch news or something like that while we eat dinner. You know what I mean? But like, mm-hmm. if I'm solo, I got stuff to do. I get games to finish, games to play. TV just gets in the way of the shit I need to do. So I don't actually watch that much TV. Um, I, during the pandemic, I think we all watched a lot more TV because you yes. couldn't go out, but, uh, this 2023, I've not watched too much. So that's all good. So I'm glad you guys got your great TV shows. I'll probably pass unless I really got nothing to do. I mean, if I had to be honest, I'm probably like, I don't think the fall show is going to be great. I'd say it's probably going to be good to okay. And there's so much content out there that I really think it comes down to, I still think adaptation for the most part, video game adaptations are still at that phase where it's like, you have to have some original buy-in in terms of like enjoying the video game in order mm-hmm. for the show to like, or movie or whatever to like, I think the Mario movie is a good example of one that like didn't really yep. need that buy-in, but like then everybody kind of knows who Mario is like, plus it's a kid's movie. Didn't so, see it. Looked boring. <laughs> yeah. But again, like my kid's, freaking loved it like yeah you got kids i know that's why it's just like it pulled you in yeah i I, I loved it i'm also a huge nintendo fan so i did leave one thing as i did watch the ahsoka tv show which was quite good yeah fan but um uh yeah apart from that 
Um, no, I the only, the only I th- movies I saw it was like Barbie. We we went over this on Cora. It was like a five yes. movie, but like I hadn't seen very many. So I yeah. don't know, man. I just you know you, I'm at a point where it's like you know I've watched like a thousand movies now. They're all kind of the same, you know. They're I think for me, like when it comes to video stuff, I'm mostly interested in VR stuff as well, which we kind of talked about. Like, um, sure. I watched the concert, like in Korea, they do the K-pop uh, concert videos, which are actually fun to watch when they're in VR. I also like, there's a cooking show that's available on Oculus, but there's not a lot of episodes. Um, so I'm like starving for uh VR 180 content to watch mostly. I think that's like the most compelling stuff, but there's barely anything. And um, yeah. yeah, it's too bad. But yeah, no, it is too bad. I know it's something that uh, I know it's something there was a big push to sort of build more of that content. And I know even YouTube had like, you know, ability for you to watch 180 content, like flat screen essentially, and kind of like navigate you know pan across it it's not the same at all like obviously no you want the stereoscopic vision yeah Yeah. for sure but like even i wanted to get into producing it but it's a lot of it's pretty prohibitively expensive to get the cameras and it's like specialized yeah but i would really i'd really love to like there's a whole ground floor you know like film theory is a thing there's a whole ground floor for like a new discipline of film theory in the vr headsets and like people like to bag on it but Meta's actually sold like lots of like I think the install base for Quest Two is twenty million. Um, that's what was on a Linus Tech Tips video I was watching. That's Quest Two. And Quest Three, I'm sure, is going to be selling a lot as a novelty present this year. Like a lot of people have it, man. Like it, it, it has more potential. People like to meme on VR, but give it give it thirty forty years, we might all be having family dinner with VR headsets on. No, I think. I think VR is definitely something that will um, just continue to improve. And we've even seen that with, you know, the various headsets. And I mean, we have, you know, we don't have to talk about when Apple Apple comes out. Yeah. When Apple releases it, there's going to be some real gearheads that start evangelizing it. So, yeah, yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, And I know like the main reason, one of the main reasons you're, 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 you're too busy for television unless it's in a VR headset is that you've done, you're now moved to like content creation full time, right? Like, so you're, so where can people catch your streams? Obviously well, they can follow you on Twitter. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's content creation. It's, it's just a catch all thing to sort of say I about know. it, but I realize it sort of gives people the wrong impression. Cause I may go dark if I, I'm doing a number of things, but I'm not working on my full-time job anymore. Right. And I am streaming on my Twitch channel at Bo Schwartz. Otherwise, you can catch me on Core. And I'm just working to figure out what projects I'll be working on. Like, I've, I've been doing some game programming, using learning the Godot engine. Right. And some music making, stuff like that. Um, I'm doing I, I'm doing lots of little, little things. I'm working on developing a show. Um, so, you know. I can't guarantee like in six months, I'm just going to be streaming every day still, depending on where projects take me. But I am, you know, currently streaming quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. All that to say is like, it's my situation is very fluid. So it's, I, I hesitate to just firmly label myself as like, yep, I am a content creator full time. That's all I do. But uh, you can, you know, if you follow me on Twitch at Bo Schwartz, then you can, yeah, uh, see if I'm I'm logged in and, and watch me there if you want. Yeah. 
You're being creative full time is what you're doing. Maybe yeah, not full time. I mean, you're being creative. Yeah. I hesitate to define it, but I'm just being a bit of a yeah. stickler, you know, about it. No, yeah. makes sense. The best place yeah. to catch me is on Core on Thursdays. We do Core. It's a popular show. People love it. You should come check it out. We talk video games and mostly crack jokes about poo. Yep. Amongst other things, but that's Amongst other things for sure. Um, yeah, that's great. And, uh, obviously folks can jump into the discord bit.ly slash TGI discord, discuss this episode, discuss many things, maybe the followed series. I don't know. Uh, you can do so there in the discord and, uh, you can find all of our past episodes at gamersinpodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter. You can find Jocelyn at Joss Plays, myself at R. Murphy, Bo at Bo Schwartz. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers Inn. Bo, thank you so much for being on the show. It's always great to have you and to discuss VR and Blizzard stuff. And like, it, it's kind of like those are the two things, man. Like, if I'm going to have Bo on here, we're going to talk Blizzard. We're going to talk VR. We're going to talk about, uh, you know, tribes. And then I'm going to mistake it for Planet Side. That's totally fine. It happens all the time. Yeah, I appreciate you being on the show, man. All right, well, thanks for the invite. Appreciate it. And hope you guys uh, you know, have a good good day. Or, um, what's, uh, what's your sign-off? Uh, have a great afternoon. That's true. Well, depending on when you're listening. But we do appreciate folks listening. Thanks for staying at the Gamers Inn. Tune in next week. 